Monday from Chicago. This is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor in your window, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by DePaul University economist Mike Miller, conservative lawyer Judith Sherwin, liberal lawyer Coco Sudek, and Mike Wojak from the University of Illinois College of Law. Our program this evening, coming to you from the home base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in the Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Studio, where our toll-free lines are open at 1-800-723-8029. That's 1-800-723-8029. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's beyondthebeltway2019 at gmail.com. If you want to send me a tweet, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And, of course, you can go to our website, beyondthebeltway.com, not only see and watch this program, each and every week, but also, if you miss it, it's always there. You go back for years and years and watching shows. And of course, we are live every Sunday night on Facebook and also on YouTube. So it's nice to have you with us, and we've got lots to talk about. Um, I hope at the beginning, by the way, a little bit later on in the program, we're going to be talking about ballot security and the attempts by Russians and other enemies of the United States to disrupt uh, the 2020 election at, at the polling places. So stay tuned because it's going to be our last half hour this evening, but I hope that you'll stick around for that uh, very important interview. Um, but we're going to be talking about what's happening this coming week in Washington, D.C. Adam Schiff, who's the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is or, uh, the House Intelligence Committee, which is becoming the House Impeachment Committee, uh, he spoke to the uh, news media last week and basically set up the importance of the week that lies ahead. Those open hearings will be an opportunity for the American people to evaluate the witnesses for themselves, to make their own determinations about the credibility of the witnesses, but also to learn firsthand about the facts of the president's misconduct. And the first three that are going to be up are people that have already given testimony uh, behind closed doors, and uh, they represent uh, uh, Mr. Taylor uh, and also uh, Mr. Kent and also the former ambassador to the Ukraine who was fired by the president, uh, um, Ambassador Yulanovich. She will testify on Friday. The other two are going to testify uh, this coming Wednesday. At least 26 subpoenas have already been issued. Uh, some of them have already, 15 actually, uh, have appeared before Congress, and this is behind closed doors. And uh, I want to begin. We have a lot of lawyers on the program this evening. I want to begin with you, Coco. You're uh, one of our Democratic lawyers. Um, when someone appears behind closed doors, um, does it bother you? Not at all. And okay. First of all, I don't know that this was really behind closed doors so much as there were Democrats and Republicans yes, on the committee. Okay. And but this, the, that, the, this was an investigation. Public, this was part of the investigation. Not. Right, but this was an investigation. And the forces oppose the forces supporting Trump are so vicious and aggressive that to not hold them in public, to not hold them in private and get the facts, gather the facts in front of Republicans and Democrats, the committee members would have, A, subjected these people to great harassment, B, it could have allowed some of the Republicans to continue to try and intervene in the testimony. Um, this was the most responsible way to handle it, and there's been a lot of complaining from the Republicans that Republicans couldn't weren't, weren't admitted to the hearings, but 
There were Republicans on the committees. Judith, sure, when your response, you are our Republican conservative lawyer tonight. Well, I mean, I have a completely different point of view about this. Uh, as far as viciousness concerned, uh, I would say um, Representative Schiff has got to be the most vicious liar in Washington. Uh, this is just a star chamber proceeding. Uh, it's being conducted. This isn't an investigation. They're they're taking testimony from from various department, uh, State Department officials uh, who seem to think that they control the United States foreign policy, who really would do very well to read the Constitution and learn that the person who makes United States foreign policy is the President of the United States. And the fact that you don't agree with it uh, or that you are upset about it uh, is, is really not relevant to the fact that he makes foreign policy, number one. Number two, all this testimony that's going on in private is about a phone call for which we have a transcript. Now, I grant you it's not a word-for-word transcript, but it is amalgamation of the notes of people who actually heard the phone call. Here's my follow-up question. My follow-up is going to be to uh, Mark Wojcik, professor of law at uh, UIC Chicago. Mark, nice to have you back on the show. Great to be back, on the, on the question of why don't we have an exact confirmation of what was on that call? Why don't we have a recording of that? Well, I first want to say just a word about the witnesses in the closed-door hearing. Yeah. This, this is common procedure that you don't want one witness hearing what another witness testifies because they'll just adjust their testimony if they're hearing it. Does that make sense, Judy? Do you? No, that's that's not in a situation like this. This isn't a trial. The trial this will is, be in the this Senate. This is a Congress, okay? The trial will be this in the Senate. Is, this is this is something going on in the I House of Representatives my, in the uh, basement. Mike, Mike Miller, this I want to ask you. This is a trial where you're, you exclude you're the, witnesses. You're the non-lawyer, non-lawyer. so you're, yes. the, you're representing the average person. That's here. right. To speak, speak to Mark's point is that if every if everything was in open testimony, somebody could change their testimony based on well, what they Then they, they lie, and, and we'll get them eventually because— I'm just looking at it as a citizen who happens to be an economist. And what you want to do is you want to remove a duly elected president. I think if you're going to try to do that, you must do it in the open. We must know who the accusers are, and we must see them, and we must know what they have to say. And I can only go with what I I have great respect, for example, with a a Democratic lawyer named um, uh, Dershowitz. I know a lot of people don't like him on the left now because he seems to be principled. But Dershowitz says the most important thing, the most important way to find the truth is through cross-examination. Absolutely. And the Republicans are not permitted, the, the, the president's lawyer is not permitted to be there. I'm sorry, talking to my family who are not will lawyers, be, this is will this they is be terrible. next week? Yes. Okay. But yes, why? So why not? Uh, why wasn't it done till now? Right. This is well, the kind of star chamber was, stuff that you universities were make, you do. Were make, Mark, you were making your point. Finish your point, and then we'll move on. It's it's not star chamber. It's how the Constitution is set up. The House has the obligation to consider impeachment, and then it moves to the trial stage. There's in nothing the in the Constitution that says the House gets to do it in the basement. No. With, with nobody and, and the public getting to hear about it and selective leaks appearing on the New York Times website and CNN, and that's what's been going on here. What do you think of that, Coco? The fact that the, the leaks that seem to be coming out, they are they're basically they making the transcripts of what the people they said did now, they, but not not now. back then. Before they released, you can't them. unring first a bell. Of all, first of all, there couldn't be a uh, there couldn't be a public investigation. There can never be a public investigation. This was like a police force 
trying to gather the facts of what happened. You oh don't do God. that in public. This, this isn't even the trial. Now, if you want some type of cross-examination, you're going to get it because the rules that are in place for the next week and for all of the hearings uh, allow equal amounts of time for cross equal amounts of time for cross-examination by the Republicans. And if that's not good enough for you, i got to tell you, nothing's going to be good enough for you. No, We're, by the way, not fine. trying to overturn the election. Yes, you are. Trump, yes, you Trump, are. Trump committed... You've been trying to overturn Trump. the election you know since actually, 18 minutes after I'm, he I'm was inaugurated. To, I'm actually trying to talk here. This is my time. For just a second. Well, go ahead. So, first of all, one of the reasons why we don't... A lot of us don't accept Trump as a legitimate president is because he would never have been elected but for the help of the Russians. No oh, way. God. That's one. Oh, Number two... God. Yeah, that's right. Number Number two, number two, we're not trying to overturn an election. We're trying to remedy a crime that Trump committed when he shook down Ukraine for ridiculousness. Okay, back to absolutely. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theaters, A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theater goers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at GoodmanTheater.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers? Or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Bruce Dumont, back in Chicago. Um, we have a lot of differences of opinion here this evening, so I, I, I want to go back to what's going to happen next week. Okay, Coco, I'm going to start with you. The Republicans on the committee, they will be able to ask questions in open hearing and, and on televised hearings. They actually, Jim Jordan, who's one of the real pit bulls of Congress, he has been appointed to go on the Intelligence Committee. He's not been on it before, so uh, he'll get a lot more TV time and probably will use it very well. But my question to you is, as they go through it, is there any one of those witnesses uh, that you, based on your reading of their transcript, is there any one of their witnesses, the Democrat witnesses, that you worry about that may say something that will make your case difficult, and Adam Schiff's case difficult? No, no. And the reason is because I'm not really worried about a case being made. This isn't actually a moment about a case being made. Right. This is about— What about in the court of no, no, public opinion? No, it doesn't matter. This isn't about a case being made. This is about information, facts, coming out into the public— for the country to digest, for the House to digest, and for the Senate, who may serve as jurors in an impeachment trial, to digest. If there is a witness that is less than compelling, less than credible, then I think that is an important part of the hearings. I'm not worried about anybody. I want the truth to come if, out. if Ambassador Kent said already, under, under oath, that he was worried and that he went to his superiors during the Obama administration and shared his concern about Biden's son being on the board of Burisma, 
does that just just that little peak of mentioning Biden and Burisma in his testimony about this other mission, does that make bringing Hunter Biden to the well for testimony worthy in your view? It, would would that help the issue? It doesn't. So let me let me say I don't think that. And I said this in the last time I was here. I don't think that what Hunter Biden did was illegal, but I think it's gross. Mm-hmm. I wish he had not taken that position. Right. I frankly think the fact that Biden hasn't said more about this disqualifies him for the nomination. Mm-hmm. I'm appalled that a Democrat took this position while, mm-hmm. while Biden had the brief over right. Ukraine. Okay? I think it's appalling. But I also don't think that Hunter Biden's position— is the issue in this case, because the issue is whether Trump shook down the Ukrainian government for two things. One was to get uh, Ukraine, to put all of the burden, to, to blame Ukraine for invading the servers of the DNC when it was really Russia. That's the first. And the second was to get the president of Ukraine to pretend to investigate Hunter Biden's conduct. Okay. I want to add Judy Sherwin, and then we hear from the Republican side. Do you do? You, is it germane to the big story to have Hunter Biden testify during this hearing? No, I, I honestly I don't really think that Hunter Biden's testimony is really that important. Um, we know what Hunter Biden did. We know he was on the board of Barisma. We know he did. And this, I have to agree with you. We know he did it while his father was basically in charge of our foreign policy with the Ukraine. It's appalling conflict of interest. Uh, And and quite frankly, what possessed Joe Biden to go to the Council of Foreign Relations, which I think is where he was, and put himself on tape talking about really shaking down the Ukrainian government? to get rid of the prosecutor who was investigating his son. And he knew, excuse me, he knew he was investigating his son when he said that. What possessed him to do that? I have no idea. That's germane. Mark, go ahead. The, the prosecutor was was uh, being criticized for not being for not being a prosecutor, and and. But in this instance, he was prosecuting and investigating. No, he wasn't. No, he was not. No, he was not. You know why what? Did you Biden can say that all you want. Why, does, why, why did, did Joe, Joe Biden, Biden brag about that? He was trying to enforce anti-corruption by no, no. removing ineffective oh, prosecutors. No, I'm sorry. That's a factual. There, look, there, no, it's not factual. There are other people who have written letters about this. The, the prosecutor himself has written letters about this. There are other people in the government who have when written Joe, letters but when about Joe it. Biden, was on the Joe take Biden, and needed to be removed. Coco, yeah. when Joe Biden is, is in this video at the Council on Foreign Relations or whatever it was, he's bragging about what happened. Because he the, said, because the wanna, prosecutor was said, corrupt. But no, 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 but no, here's no, my, here's, no. No. Let me, let me can said, I finish my story? going on. Let me finish my story. He basically said, this guy was doing a bad job. I told them they get rid of this guy in six hours or they're not getting their money. How is how is that not a quid pro quo? Well, because the money, just like the money. It's not just, a quid pro quo because she likes that quid pro quo. No, I no, that's no, no, well, what's no, no, the that's answer not, to the I'm question. Sorry, that's, I, that's, I appreciate if you didn't make this personal. Thank you. No, I'm not the reason it is personal. because the policy of the United States was that Ukraine needed to clean up its act and put in place some anti-corruption and some anti-corruption and and put in place anti-corruption measures. The money 
they didn't get the money from the United States if they didn't clean up the corruption practices. And this prosecutor was corrupt. It is the same thing in this situation. The money from in, in 2019 was appropriated if the Ukraine cleaned up its corruption. And then there was a report from the State Department that Ukraine had, in fact, put those anti-corruption measures in place. And that's why they got the money. So it, it's totally consistent. I understand that there's a discrepancy about who this prosecutor was and what his role was. And honestly, I think you guys have just been misled. This prosecutor was part of the problem. Biden was, Biden was trying to get rid of him, which was appropriate. The problem was Biden should not have allowed his son to take that board position. I totally agree with yeah, that. Last, I, week, last week, John Solomon. Mike, I want to get your reaction. Last week on this program... Uh, we revealed the identity of the whistleblower, uh, which had been identified in the story in real clear investigations. Eric uh, Jeremiah. My question to you is, for the most part, that's not a well-known name. It hasn't been released by major media at the moment. Mm -hmm. It's all over the Republic, and Twitter. The, I know. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it is. The it's in the transcript of some of the stuff that was released as well. not getting caught up to it yet. But my point is, it's, it's, the name is out there now. Yeah. My question is this. The Republicans want they want to they want this guy they want to drag this guy in to testify. Should he be should he should he testify? And and how are the Democrats are going to respond if the whistleblower who started all this, if the whistleblower is not coming forward and telling what he really knew and when he knew it, doesn't uh, that help the Republicans make their case that this is a witch hunt? Speaking again as a non-lawyer, what we have here is a person who started this entire investigation and the, Republic, uh, the Democrats right after this occurred demanded that he testify until they realized that he filled out the form and lied on the form that he had spoken to, the, to Schiff. Schiff lied to tell us he didn't talk to him and then he had to come back and tell us he did talk to him. There's also some evidence that appears he worked for Joe Biden, that he's an activist Democrat. For me, I would like to know how did this get started? The same as I'm going to be very interested to find out how did the Russian investigation get started? How did they destroy people like Carter Page? Why did they go after somebody like Papadopoulos? I want to know these things. And the whistleblower is something I would like Mark, to do know. Do you want to know the whistleblower? Is, is he, is he uh, germane to this if discussion he, if he as wants, a Democrat? If he wants to testify, he, he should testify. But there's no reason for him to testify. There's no need yeah. for him to testify. Oh, because everything that, that he has in his statement has been corroborated by the, tra by the transcripts, by other witness testimony, yeah. because this is not yet the trial. The trial is coming in the Senate. Uh, do, you, do you see? I, I, do, do you see way? anything? I want. I want to hear from everybody, right. folks. If if a guy is is leaking information, which is it's, it's basically started leaking information. That's he what whistleblowers the, do. He did, just a minute. He didn't hear the information. He heard it third hand. We're waiting whether right. whether some of these other people who actually heard the conversation. Some of them are going to testify that we know about. There may be others that are coming that we don't know about. But here's the guy who hears the story. He has political thing, footprints in his past. Some people may think he did it for just to get back at, at Donald Trump. He's one of 325 members of the National Security Council staff, and he's there. He gives this information, which starts this whole investigation, steps it up to an impeachment against the President of the United States, do you think that person, even though, again, we have a, we have a whistleblower law, 
Here's one individual that's about his attempt is to take down the president of the United States. Why should that person have the luxury of sitting in anonymity? I think his his intent is not to take down the president. I think his his intent is to protect our democracy, protect oh, our national security, and that it doesn't matter. That's what Pollyanna books book what, It doesn't so. matter what what you, his you know the, what rea- his, the reality what his, here. What his, with his motivations are because the the trial will be in the Senate. That's where that's where the Senate that, the senators will weigh the evidence, and and it doesn't matter what he did. Why get to a trial when there's is that is his background. Because, again, by the time it gets to the Senate, it will be maybe on the front pages of newspapers, mainstream media. And then uh, you're right. It's basically everywhere now. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a sitting United States senator, be a, be a Republican or a Democrat, I think I'd want to know the origins of this whole story and whether or not it started as a political hit job on the president of the United right. States. Judy, and then we'll come back, Judy, and then we'll come to you. I, well, first of all, this whole issue of the whistleblower's anonymity Whistleblowers generally, and in this law particularly, are protected from retaliation. That does not mean they are protected uh, forever, and it does not mean that they are anonymous and that they get to remain anonymous. Whistleblowers generally do not remain anonymous, and it's, it's the point of this whole thing that he should be, he was willing to sign this declaration and meet with Schiff. He should be willing to come before the House of Representatives and the people of the United States and repeat what he had to say. Once again, the, what Dershowitz... thing to do. I want to hear right. Coco's and response. The, and Dershowitz... Uh, we got to pause. Okay. got to pause. Back shortly, 1-800-723-8289. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up or donate at Movember.com to help change the face of men's health. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Roostabout back in Chicago. We have great guests. We will let them introduce themselves now. And we begin with the outspoken liberal Democrat, Coco Sudek. Hi, I'm Coco Sudek. I'm a lawyer. I help people make things and money. <laughs> Judith Sherwin. Hi, I'm Judith Sherwin. I am also a lawyer. Uh, I, am, uh, I practice in healthcare law, um, and I also teach at uh, Loyola University Law School where I teach business ethics and constitutional law. Mark Wojcik. Mark Wojcik. I'm also a lawyer and a professor at the UIC John Marshall Law School in Chicago. And how long have you been teaching? I think uh, 27 years now. Okay. International law, international business, uh, torts, legal writing, other good okay. subjects like that. Now you, sir, 38 years, right? 40. 40. So, Tell yeah, everybody Mike who you Miller, are. I, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. got my Ph.D. at University of Pittsburgh at DePaul for the past 40 years as an economist. 
I uh, teach, which I think is the most important thing that I do, but I also do some research on a little country in the Middle East called Bahrain. Okay. We're going to take calls. We're going to go to Redding, California. Jerry is listening to us on KQMS. Go ahead, Jerry. Hello. You there? Jerry on line two, going once, going twice. All right, let's go to Dripping Springs, Texas. Tom, go ahead. You're on the air. Are you there? Line one. Are our phones not working tonight? All right. Uh, we have a problem. Well, the phones are ringing, so uh, Andrew Marshall will get on it, and hopefully we'll be able to take a call. Um, let's. I want to. You wanted to make a finish your right. point about the. Uh, right. I about the whistleblower. Yeah. I I think it's important a that we know who he is, and b I think it's important that he. Can he be part of these hearings that are going on um, because he will be subject to the world's greatest truth-telling device, namely cross-examination. It is not really true that the Republicans... It's only if he's called in the Senate. No, no. The trial is in the Senate. No, the I mean, I don't know. Have you watched these, these the hearings that go on in the, in the House? You know, a Republican gets to ask a question, Democrat gets to ask a question. I certainly hope that we're not going to be deviating from that. Of course, we probably will in the main. But there will be some cross-examination that will be done of these witnesses, and they will be done in public at these hearings. That's what these hearings are all about. That's the reason to do them in public. It's not, a, it's not someone to come in there and recite the transcript that they said in the basement with nobody challenging anything that they say. So, unfortunately, many of our... House of Representatives uh, people do not do cross-examination very well, but there will be something resembling cross-examination, and I think it's important, and I think it's important that the people of the United States, 63 million of them who voted for Donald Trump, take a look at the people who are accusing him of various things and decide whether or not they made a mistake or somebody else is just trying to get him for no reason. I'm I'm hoping that when I watch these hearings, I hope I can find some member of Congress, regardless of their party, who I say after their after their interrogation, that person is looking for the truth, not the Republican truth, not the Democratic truth, who's really looking for the truth and is being fair and balanced and tough. On, on, on who they're interrogating, because most of these hearings, it's, you know, the preamble to their question is a, is a political speech. Right. I, I don't want to hear any of that. I agree. Coco. No, I agree. I agree. I, I agree I think, with that. I agree. I, I hope that, that Democrats don't make a lot of political speeches, don't make any speeches and simply ask questions. I hope that they, all the witnesses are subject to cross-examination. I hope that cross-examination is tough, and I hope it's fair. I, I'm starting to agree that the whistleblower should come forward and testify, but I also believe that the whistleblower and all of these witnesses will be subject to death threats because that's what happens. And I think that if that's the case, then the, re the retaliation that they're entitled to be free from ought to include some type of security. Well, I, I, would I agree totally, with I, that. I agree with that. I, I totally Fine. agree with that. I mean, I, uh, how many sleepless nights, how much uh, did the family of, uh, of uh, John Dean pay for a lifetime of security. I mean, the right. point is, 
if if you're going to make a statement that will ultimately bring down the president of the United States, you better be prepared to pay a price. That's what heroes do. Heroes right. p- pay prices for doing courageous things. And if this person really believes that what he did was courageous, there's going to there's going to be millions of people that think that he is courageous. There's going to be other people that are going to say, "No, you're not courageous if you're hiding behind somebody else's name or you're not using your name. Right. Stand up like a man, tell your story, answer the questions, and let the public decide. That's but right. don't don't hide on it. And I mean, it really, I think if I could make a point, I think that's the reason the impeachment proceedings start in the House. Because that's the people's house. Yes. And and that's why it starts there. The people are entitled to know if there is some reason why the president of the United States should be accused of a of a political crime and be uh, and, and be removed from office. It's the people's house. The people have a right to know. The Senate is a whole different deal. Okay? That's how it was set up as well in the Federalist Papers, where the impeachment well, was right. done by the House of Commons, and then the trial was done in the House of Lords. Right. It was also the same in some of the the, uh, con- the uh, constitutions right. of the colonies. And and so this is this is a a um, this is an offshoot of that. This is something that they were used to from from British law, and they put it in here. But our House of Representatives, this is the people's house. They get elected every two years. And and originally, I mean, they were directly elected from the beginning, which was not the case with the Senate. So I think it's very important that this phase of the investigation, which we can now do in the public and we can do on TV, that we do it on TV and we do it on the open and we don't do it in the basement of the House of Representatives. Guys, the problem you, is, that, is that a lot of people are going to get their, their sound bites from different sources. Some people will just get the no, Fox like, News so. line. Some people will get the, the, the late night television line. But you can't control that. People, people you can encourage people to listen to both sides. encourage people to listen to this show. But you can, yeah. That you can do too. You can do. Right. Yeah, but, yeah. but you can't control who's going to listen to what. This is this is not Russia, public. and the hearings should be public. They are. Yeah, and it's and they funny. And, uh, and by the way, the rules that uh, that they're going to be conducted under are actually Boehner's rules. All Good. of these rules, they've Good. all been John Boehner's now, rules. See, now, really? Yeah. Even behind in the yes, in the, in the shift room, yes. is that what it's called? Yes, it's all the all fancy room. These are all John that Boehner's all investigation done? rules. Yes. Mm. We'll see. Someone uh, just uh, uh, sent a note. You shouldn't have to pay a price for being courageous. Do you agree with that? No. It's not courageous if no. you don't pay a price. No, and, and the assumption is being courageous. I say we're talking about the whistleblower. Yeah. Right. We're assuming, just again, it's, it's almost a, a question of looking at it from the outside, not being a lawyer. I, you have a person who seems to want to undermine this particular presidency. I don't know that that's true. Uh, I don't think that's true. That's, but see, that's part of the problem. We don't know what is in, why did this person do it? I also, there seems to be absolutely no interest in the fact that the person filled out this form and stated that he did not, he, apparently it's a he, did not talk to anybody in the government. In fact, he did, which means a felony was committed. And I think Schiff should have to, should have to in a sense, answer for that as well because he lied to the American people. He said he, he said, said he had not. He, he didn't he talk, had no talk to him. But in fact, he did talk. These. It, it, so if we have a person here, who has since from the first day of of the president's 
uh, presidency have, have wanted to get rid of him, I think I'm going to look at any testimony and say, you know, it's really not important to me. I don't care what this person has to say. And I'm, I'm also shocked by the fact that so many of the people who are testifying, again, from a non-expert, are people who simply disagree with this president's policy. Right. That's, I guess I can only say, that's too bad. The president gets is the sole voice for foreign policy in this country. I'm, I'm a something in, in a university called an associate dean. I can maybe not like what the dean does, but the dean makes the decision, and that's the rules. And if I disagree with it, I should walk away. I shouldn't stand in the public and, and try to undermine that particular person. Well, again, I just right. find it astounding. When, Neither should the president's read, personal lawyer. Say that again? But, you know, the, the president the, can do it his way. He can carry out fisc- uh, foreign policy in a way that he finds most can I come efficient. In on this? Sure. Go, go. So the problem is that he... The Congress passed an appropriation to Ukraine. He withheld that appropriation until he could – so that he could get Ukraine to claim credit for – that's the crowd strike thing he mentions. He wanted Ukraine to take the blame for Russia's invading the DNC servers. That's the first thing. He wanted, he wanted Ukraine to take responsibility for what Russia did in our elections. Because if Russia isn't responsible, Russia doesn't have sanctions. That's the first thing. So that's one. Number two, he also wanted to hold up that money that Ukraine desperately needed to buy weapons to defend itself against Russia. He wanted to hold up that money until Ukraine announced a fake investigation of the Bidens. That is a that breaks a number of. But they say they didn't even know the money had been held up. Right. Right. They, they had they, no idea. I, 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 first of all, I, I, I've only heard that from one source. I've heard it, and from, I don't believe that. And even the if they didn't, the they made it heard clear. It the they made Ukraine. it clear on several. Tr- there was a there was a call on on July tenth where they said where they held up. They offered a meeting between the president of the United States and the president of Ukraine if they announced an investigation. They must have known that they made it clear that this was a this was a, a request for essentially extortion. When we come back, by the way, extortion is the new word. Quid pro quo, gone. Yesterday's word. Back shortly from Chicago. Because there wasn't. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theatre's A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theatergoers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at goodmantheater.org. When someone hears the words, you have cancer, it's one of the darkest moments in their life. Light the Night brings light to the darkness of cancer by uniting survivors, patients, and supporters in the cause to end cancer. We form a community of hope, raising funds in support of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. The discoveries made by LLS-supported research have led to breakthrough treatments for many cancers and other serious diseases. When we walk, cancer runs. Join the movement to end cancer today. Visit us at lightthenight.org. Again, let's go to Dripping Springs, Texas. 
where Tom is listening or watching us on YouTube tonight. Hello, are you there, Tom? Oh, darn. Gary on line two, are you there? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yes, if President Trump learned of possible extortion in the Ukraine and took action, is he not a whistleblower himself? Or at least he participated in whistleblowing. And if that's the case, why wouldn't the U.S. House of Representatives treat him in the same manner as they're treating their whistleblower in protection? And I'm just asking for fairness? Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike Miller, we're going to let him. That's actually the word of the day. I, I just would like to see fairness. And, and, and you know, you, you hear the, uh, the idea that, the, uh, that Trump, in the transcript or what do you want to call it, of the phone call, there's one of two things he was asking for. He was either asking for an investigation to hurt Biden to help him this time, or he was asking for an investigation involving 2016 when the Bidens and so forth were involved, in, and that's why he brought up CrowdStrike. Where are the servers? Could we see the servers? Could we figure out who it was that actually cracked into the servers? And was it done physically or was it done over the wires? And I, I, I happen to buy the second one. I, I think it's at least reasonable. And, and I think that the Democrats have not been fair. This is, again, I, this is my opinion. Uh, the best disinfectant is sunshine. And I've just let that sun shine in, and we would know what's going on. You know, what we're also witnessing here and have for the last three years is that the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton wasn't, wasn't just the loser of that election. All the people that represented the deep state, the good, bad, and ugly of the deep state, they haven't forgotten. They're still ticked off that Hillary lost the election. There's 350, I think it's 350 people who work in the National Security Agency, many of them with the same background as the whistleblower. They're Republicans, they're Democrats, uh, they're, uh, you know, maybe they're fine, upstanding Americans who can leave their politics at home when they go to work every day. I just don't believe you can have that many working at a White House where you disagree with the President of the United States. Mm -hmm. Think about what life was like in the first six months of the Trump administration. It was five or six leaks a day. Right. That thing was leaking like a sieve. Right. Nobody could stop the leaks. You had all of those people, all the people that supported Jeb Bush and Mario uh, uh, Rubio, all, all the Republicans that, that hated Donald Trump, then all the Democrats that hated Donald Trump, and then the New Yorkers and the never-Trumpers, <coughs> they all have jobs. They're all there. Right, right. To them, they want to, take, they want to avenge the loss of Hillary Clinton because he basically he, he, he put up a, heart, a stake in the heart of Hillary Clinton and the deep state, and they don't like it. They're not taking it. Right. And they're not going right. to take it in 2020 either. I'd like to comment. Look, Coco. here's the thing. I hear so much accusations against the motives of people who work in the government. It's like they're all one behemoth. They're all one consolidated brain. These are men and women who have devoted their lives to public service. I bet almost none of them were as committed to Hillary Clinton as they are to the idea of the moral, the morals and the values of the United States. And when they see Trump, like when I see Trump, what I see is an immoral con man, a criminal, who 
was elected with the help of a foreign power and who is who who is trying to sell out the country and is and is okay. robbing the okay. country of its resources. And I say something, please. You are, you are attacking the motives of an entire group of people who have devoted themselves Bruce, can to I, public service. Can I say That's something, there, please? There, there are, wait a minute. There are some people who I agree with fit that category. I think a lot of them there's do. All, there's also a lot that don't. There's right. a lot of those, frankly, Coco, who think exactly as you do. They're working in some agency. Maybe they're, maybe they're working in the NSA. They go to the work with the venom that you've shown for the president of the United States. Yes, I have right. venom for the president of the United States. All right, well, that's fine. And, and yet and you and man. you take and you take his check once a month or every two weeks with his name on it. What do you mean? When you're getting paid, right? You're a paid employee. You're a pa- no. What I'm saying is not the his person check. that's it's talking about. We sign that check. Okay. He doesn't sign that check. Okay. That is the American people's Bruce, check. The this man is not a monarch. We did not elect a king. We we are the United States no, of America. And by the way, we elected Donald Trump. He's not the only voice in, Bruce, in foreign can I, affairs. Can I get some? Yes, the Congress. Ahead. I would, okay, I would really Sherwin. appreciate it. Under the Constitution. And oversight. Judah Sherwin. One at a time. Judah Sherwin. Thank you very much. The President of the United States determines the foreign policy of the United States. Under the oversight of Congress. Let her finish. The rest of the bureaucracy is supposed to carry out the the policies of the president of the United States. The policies are lawful. Excuse me. I am sorry. I am talking. I let you talk. I let you spew your venom. Okay. It is venom. I definitely have venom for this. You You cannot. You cannot. Talk to somebody. I can. How do you talk to somebody who actually believes that the Russians put Donald Trump in office? You know who put Donald Trump in office? That kind of attitude put Donald Trump in office. Hillary Clinton calling 63 million people in the United States or 62 million in the United States, calling them deplorables. That's what put Donald Trump in office. It wasn't 62 million. You keep it up. You keep it up. You keep it up. It wasn't 62 million. She didn't call all 62 million. Yes, she did. She She called a big slice of them deplorable. Is there some reason that I can't talk here? I'm sorry. You keep interrupting. The thing that put Donald Trump in office is your attitude. And it's going to put him into office again. Because what he's going through is a witch hunt that started 18 minutes after he put his hand on the Bible and he became president of the United States. Back shortly from Chicago. Another hour. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. 
Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Ah, the Facebook posts and the tweets coming in. We got a nice here's a, a review of the program. You can't possibly claim to be a moderator, in quotes, given how you are conducting the show. You are clearly an apologist for the president here. Mm. So there you go. Okay. Not everybody's how a fan. Deplorable of of you. How deplorable of you. How deplorable. But I, I appreciate you reading that. That's a, no, I do. I, I, I mean, as I think I've said before, uh, if you send me uh, whatever you send me and however you send it, uh, I will read it and hopefully re- be able to respond to it. I don't, I don't necessarily do it in real time, uh, you know, while the program is going on. But uh, I do read everything and, and uh, I will respond to it. Uh, uh, I will either agree with it or disagree with it. But uh, I will, I'm somebody at the end of your tweet or your email, uh, and that's yours truly. Uh, I want to switch gears for a while. And by the way, let me just get, uh, tout what we're coming up. Uh, with in a, at the half hour, and that is we're going to have uh, Matthew Dieterich. Matthew Dieterich is um, he is the public information officer for the state of Illinois. And if you're living in California, don't don't turn off uh, your uh, your phone or your uh, YouTube right now, because it is going to be germane to you. Well, I don't mean state of Illinois. He's with the Illinois uh, Bureau of uh, of Education Board of Education uh, Board of Elections. I'm sorry, my brain's not working. I'm, I guess I'm not being a good moderator or articulating my foot. Uh, that, okay, we all vote on that. He's going to be here to talk about the attempts by foreign powers, Russians and others, to aggressively disrupt what's happening in Illinois and other states. There's a campaign going on to disrupt voting in all states. So wherever you're listening, 
you're going to hear some of the basic things that hopefully your election people are keeping their eye on between now and Election Day, because there's been so much talk about what the Russians did in 2016 and its impact. We don't want to lose the fact that they're doing the same thing right now, and how can we as a society and individuals, how can we... Uh, better prepare for this onslaught that's that's coming out. Well, the problem is it worked last time, Bruce. Yeah, well, well it, <laughs> and they then they got a guy elected who should never have become president. Okay, you know, can we just like stop this already? I, I mean, to, this I is unbelievable. There's some people who agree with you and there's a lot of people who don't agree with you, but the point is, I think most people would like to have uh, elections that they can count on. And uh, even even in a city like Chicago, I think there's a lot of people who would like to see that. Uh, I'm going to switch gears for a while, but we're going to do that in about a half an hour. But I want to talk about uh, Michael Bloomberg, a new entry into the Democratic primary. And uh, is he a viable candidate? Uh, no. Mr. Miller? I think he's, he's too late, for one thing. Um, he, I wrote to a friend of mine who's a, an activist Democrat, and... and in some sense, the way that, that Donald Trump is not a true Republican and in that he was not a Republican for a very long time and talks about liberty and limited government and so forth, Bloomberg is kind of an interesting Democrat. I'm not even sure he's a Democrat at all, is he? He's an independent now. Yeah, well, he was a Republican yeah. and a Democrat. He's, yeah. been one of every, he's been one of every. But I think a, a, a successful businessman is really an interesting possib possibility. It's just that he's such a nanny. He's such, he wants to control the size of the drinks I can have, and, and so he wants to control my life. So I, I don't see him as one that I would want to have in power, even though his experience as a businessman is very interesting. Mark Wojcik, are you pleased that Michael Bloomberg is expanding the choices that you have in the Democratic primary? You know, it's, it's interesting it's, uh, to, to see something come in so late. I, I think it's not going to be well-received, but I think he'll, he'll have some following. But it's really a surprise, and I uh, learned a lot about Alabama election law this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Coco, you're, you don't have a candidate yet. I do you have still, a candidate. Uh, I thought you didn't have a candidate. I like Warren. I like Elizabeth Warren. Oh, Elizabeth. Yeah, that's um, uh, I, I think Michael Bloomberg, I think this is going to be a humiliating experience for him. Um, he's not a Democrat. He doesn't fit the Democratic primary voting. He certainly, he might have had a great chance in 96, well, I guess maybe not 96, 2000 or yeah. 92, but the, Democrat, the Democratic primary voters have moved on from his sort of conservative on e economics and also sort of conservative on, on just personal liberty issues. I mean, I agree with you. The sugary soft drink, mm -hmm. you know, crackdown was odd and crazy. Um, but I also, I also think it is going to be enriching to watch a billionaire who thinks he is the savior come in and lose and get very few votes. Um, and I think it, we're going to see what hubris really looks like. Judy Sherwin, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't think this is a, uh, I don't think this is a good move for Michael Bloomberg. I mean, he's, he's toyed with the idea before, He's kind of floated it out there, and then he's backed away. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess this time he's actually filed in Alabama. He's filed in Alabama because he had yeah. to do it by this week. Yeah. So he hasn't actually decided. So right. programs I mean, like this where we discuss whether or not it's a good idea right. is going to help him decide right. whether or not he goes forward. Right. And, and it seems to me that he's going to decide in about a week and a half that this was really not a good idea. Um, I mean, if I were... 
if I were Elizabeth Warren and Bernie, Sa- I mean, poor Bernie Sanders, somebody's going to come in and steal things from him again. I mean, if I were Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and all these people, you know, many of whom I obviously don't agree with on most things, but they have been working on these debates. They have been <coughs> fundraising. They've been running all over the country. And all of a sudden, this sort of arrogant person from New York, another one for some people, pops in and says, I'm going to save you. I don't think they want to be saved. What about as, a, what about as an independent? Anywhere. Well, if, if, he were, if he were to run as a third party, mm-hmm. I think um, that Trump would create... That, never I mean, Trumper? A good place for never Trumpers never to go. Never Trumper, obviously. But, but, you know, I think there are fewer and fewer never mm-hmm. Trumpers. And... Um, I'm not sure how that would work. I mean, I haven't really, because he's not, he's not a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He's he's I don't know what he is. Yeah, I, don't know I mean, what he's, he's a billionaire. With, he's, yeah. yeah, and he's he's taken his money and run around the country and and worked on gun confisc gun gun confiscation yeah. issues. He's helped to elect some people in various places. But I, I think that people will, will look at him and just kind of think, you know, who are you to pop the in here all of, of a sudden? I mean, the influence of third party candidates has been really interesting. In the Kansas right. governor race, we saw the Libertarian took away votes, I think, from the Republican uh, governor. The, the Kentucky, oh, yes. Sorry, Kentucky. Yeah, and, right. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he took that, away 24,000 votes. And that's <laughs> way more than he would have needed to win. So I think that uh, uh, third-party candidates have to be looked at very seriously. Who's funding right. them? Who's backing right. them? Uh, where are they getting their money from? Right. But, you know, what? I mean, if we're maybe we're going to say that Michael Bloomberg is being, you know, serviced by the Russians? I hope so not. I'm not talking because about Bloomberg. But, uh, but, but, is. but we've we've already Stein is an agent of the, of the Russians. Stein is an agent of the Russian government. If yeah. I were a Republican, but, I would yeah. want Mike Bloomberg to run as an independent. I think it is a way for for, for you to guarantee Trump's re-election. Yeah. Seriously, you really think it would help? Think it'll I think he'll take more from that. I think he'll pull. I think he'll pull centrist Democrats who who cannot stomach a, a, a progressive candidate. Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. I think he'll pull a little slice of of anti-gun people. Uh-huh. I think that's oh, enough yeah. to give Trump the margin. Well, could be. Could be. Could take that. Pull Jewish voters? I think he'll pull Jewish voters, yeah. Really? No, you know what? I don't know that he's going to pull that many Jewish voters. Okay, well. Honestly, I, I really don't. He actually might. He could pull some APAC sort of pro-Israel voters away yeah. from the Democrats. I, well, I, I think, I think, I think, he, right. I, I think I it's think a much stronger run to run as an independent or a third-party candidate than it is to try to think you're going to get the Democratic nominee. Nomination, I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theatre's A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theatre-goers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at goodmantheater.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers? Or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. 
Pilot back in Chicago. We continue. Let's go to Mark in Carmel, California, listening to us on KION. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, thanks so much, Bruce. Listen, this is Jermaine, and I know you got another topic at the top of the or at the bottom of the hour. Yeah. Um, so, if you're looking for the stench of the deep state, look no further than the fact that three days prior to the uh, release of the so-called whistleblower, they changed the rules to allow second party and third party hearsay evidence mm-hmm. to be allowed. Right. Now, there's no courtroom in America that would allow hearsay evidence. And that right there has the stench of the deep state. And I'd like your lawyers on on the uh, August panel you have assembled to uh, disseminate on that. And I'll take your uh, responses on the air. Okay, very good. Mark uh, Wojcik. Mark? You know, the the, uh, whistleblower could have been an anonymous tipster giving the information anonymously. And and, and we, we could have a procedure like that, that you just report it and then it's investigated and voted on, that you never know who, who made the thing. And, we, and I don't think that would be any different than what he's talking about right now. No, but he's talking no, about the fact that it was a – that the person did not have firsthand knowledge. Right. And the form requires it, it, firsthand, firsthand or required knowledge. That he firsthand has to be knowledge. saying to me that something – I have it's to hear a, him say it, not, not that I heard it in the bathroom. not form required by, uh, to start an impeachment proceeding. No, this there, is a whistleblower law. This is the whistleblower about. law. But there's not, there's not any, any. But that was not necessarily. Well, are we saying that? Are we saying that the whistleblower, when he filed the form, was Oops. was in cahoots with uh, Mr. Schiff to start an impeachment? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. No. He, so he was he was handed a form. Okay, which three days before is this been just an anonymous form out. where you don't you don't sign it at all. You hear here's well, the information the, and then the information's investigated. And then put on trial in the But Senate. that's not what the form was. We're not talking about starting an impeachment. He if his was his motivation, and that would be a good question to ask on cross examination. Eric, was it your idea you were starting an impeachment? You were going to work with Representative Schiff to start an impeachment? Is that what you were doing? And if that's what you were doing, then you weren't really an honest whistleblower. You were just trying to start a political witch hunt, which we're all living with right now. Coco. So I don't honestly care about what who the whistleblower is, or where he comes from. He can testify, great. What I care about is that he's like a man who reported a fire and everybody's upset about the guy who reported the fire and not about the fire. The whistleblower's complaints have been corroborated a number of times by the transcript, by Mulvaney, by Bill Taylor, by Ivanovich, by, by all kinds of witnesses now, including by Mulvaney. So, but, you, but focusing on the whistleblower and who he is is only a way of diverting the attention. And the real issue, which is a crime was committed by the president, so-called president, and, and the president, and the, and, but, but the question is, was a crime committed? Oh, fine. Was a crime committed? And what are the consequences of that crime? Okay? Not, what did the whistleblower do that might have been... Uh, offensive in, in the, the reporting court, of a crime in the court of public opinion which is where this thing is now and will continue to be in the court of public opinion the average go guy and, and gal out there who's listening has been following this story or casually following this story they know the idea because they learned it in school you have the right 
to face your accuser. Fine. They when don't know about the whistleblower okay. law. There are other accusers who are corroborating his his testimony, no, and, as result, and as a result, and as a result, and as a result, the whistleblower is completely irrelevant now. Don't, we don't know that. I, am I the only one that no. heard the question? The question was this: three days before the whistleblower presented his totally comp- irrelevant. Not irrelevant. Let, let him speak, please. Go ahead. The chair is that yours. Was rude. Honest to gosh, that was rude. Yours. The question was, three days before this, the form was submitted, they changed the rules. The rules before then said it had to be first-hand only. The rules after that said it can be second or third-hand. Is that not evidence that there might be a deep state problem here? That's what the question was. Right. To someone like me, the answer is, yeah, this seems awfully odd that three days before, because had it had been submitted four days before, it would have been thrown in a circular file. Mold. It would have not have been evaluated because there was no basis on which to look into Except it. Except Mulvaney already admitted that there was a quid pro quo in no, his press release. Yes, he no, did. He that is what he said, and then he had to come he back and not. walk it back. He walk did not admit Here, that. Here's my question. Here's a question to, to oh all God. of you. Sure. Okay. We've had, th- th- this is the first, we've had, this is a very combustible show. Last week's was very combustible. There's people out there listening that say, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sort through this and I've got, I've got partisans out there, you know, who, who vilify the president or who stand up and agree with everything he has to say. And how am I supposed to find out? And I guess what I'm saying is you, you got you to gotta follow the testimony and you got to let your gut take over. And I would, I would turn off the analysis, whether it's the Fox analysis or the MSNBC analysis, turn off the analysis afterwards. If you want to call us next Sunday night, you can do it here. But I'm just saying, don't let other people interpret for you what you've just watched and what you've just heard. You've got common sense. You have a brain. Look at it and try to look at it objectively. And as I've said many times before, long before this happened, if Donald Trump did something illegally, I would want to know about it. Yeah. If he yeah, stole too. this Me election, too. I want to know about it. Me too. I don't like that. But it has not been proven conclusively to me that that's what's happened. On the other side, when you talk about political manipulation, I see one side that has done a masterful job in creating a diversion. I think the diversion that was created in the campaign was created primarily by Trump. The diversion that, since he's been elected, has been created by the Democrats. They've spent three years trying to push this guy out of office. They've used every opportunity to do it. And now and now it's a TV show. Now it's a reality TV show starting, uh, you know, on, on Wednesday morning. Right. And so uh, just keep your mind open. Try not to be swayed by one side or the other, because I think you can make the right decision. But just don't. Don't get sucked into some partisan debates that may lead you nowhere. Let's go to Sam in Austin, Texas, listening to us on KLBJ. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to say that I think that the um, uh, this, this argument over uh, the impeachment issue, the conversation, I feel like it's so subjective that if you want to see something negative in it, you can't. Uh, or if you want to see something that's, that's innocent, you can see that, too. So I think it's going to be very difficult to uh, impeach the president over an interpretation that is mm-hmm. subjective. 
Right. But what? But because this is going to be going on for the next several months, uh, one of the real practical things that's going to happen is if this turns into the, the Democrats now seem this huge story, this huge issue of impeaching a president of the United States, they now want to cram it into a short window so they can get it done this year. That's less than eight weeks away. In the meantime, if there's a if there's a testimony, if there's testimony. And, and the trial is taking place in the first three months of next year. A lot of Democratic senators that are running for president, they're going to have to have their butts in, in Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, and, and not on the campaign trail. So I think it may hurt some, uh, some of the incumbent uh, Democrats that are, that are running. And again, their, their whole ability to make news and, and, and to talk to the American people about any issue besides this, it's going to be almost impossible because the networks, they're, they're salivating at the mouth. Right. <laughs> Both the right of center and left of center, they're all salivating. They can't wait for this thing to get started so they can fill their, uh, their, uh, their airwaves with, with venom and, and personal uh, attacks. Coco. Can I ask you a question? I'm surprised sure. there's a topic that we haven't discussed yet, which is tr- this week Trump confessed in the state of New York to robbing veterans and other charities of $2 million. And his penalty is $2 million. And he admitted it in a, in a settlement with the state of New York. And nobody seems to be talking about it. He admitted to two million, a $2 million fraud scheme. When was and this? I know. It's, like I, I know. Well, he didn't no. admit to a fraud scheme. What he, he did. did was he settled a case. He settled with a case, the attorney right. general, but, the but state a, of New York. A, right, but it was you a stipulation can, that he had to admit we have that two he minutes, diverted his. We have two he minutes to go. Charity have, funds. Which he did on the Monday before have, Veterans Day. We have yeah. two minutes. We have two minutes to go, and I want to do it very quickly. And that is a story that I've shared with you during the week, and that is the governor of Oklahoma. He released uh, over 560 uh, prisoners. And again, it, it, it changed the lives of all those. These are, these are low-level uh, drug dealers and, and, and low-level criminals. Uh, and so he's changed the lives. And this was passed by the Republican legislature in Oklahoma, signed by a Republican governor. And again, uh, it's something that I hope that happens in other states because it is, it's the first indication on the local level uh, some of the issues that we've talked about in this program on the national level about uh, criminal justice reform and, and a- accuracy in, in sentencing. Mark, you had a, you had a comment on that. At, uh, I think Republicans and Democrats today. can agree on the need for criminal justice reform and the benefits that happen uh, when, it, when it does achieve. I just wanted to come back for one second sure. on the impeachment thing about the, the, uh, the, the caller's uh, point about it being a... a related just to Ukraine, we don't know what the articles of impeachment are going to be. And the obstruction of Congress, the contempt of Congress, withholding witnesses, blocking testimony, that by itself would be enough to have an impeachable offense. Including a crime? executive privilege? Now that's an impeachable offense? Really? Executive privilege is an impeachable offense. Okay. What about about Mick Mulvaney not to testify? Is that an impeachable offense? No. I mean, I'm sorry to again invoke the name of, of Alan Greenspan, but he said he went through all of... Dershowitz, thank you. There's yeah. our economist. economist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I went through all the statutes, and I tried to find the law that he broke, and he can't find the law that he broke. He no. just like disagreement. Don't go away. I'm Bruce Dumont. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, 
more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up or donate at Movember.com to help change the face of men's health. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives like physical therapy to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Stumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, in this segment of our program, uh, we're going to uh, change uh, gears for a while because we're going to talk about a, story, a subject, obviously, that has been an important part of uh, uh, assessing what happened in 2016 uh, in our elections and also what can be done by uh, the re respects, respectful states and also the federal government to make sure that uh, these things don't happen again uh, in 2020. Joining us now is Matt Diedrich, and he is the public information officer for the Illinois Board of uh, Elections. And uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining us from Springfield, Illinois tonight. Thank you, Bruce. Good to be here. I'd like to begin by talking, by g giving a, a summary answer, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. How is the money, the federal money, being dispersed to states to make sure that elections are more secure than in the past? And are there, uh, are there, uh, Quid pro quos, if you will, as to how that money is supposed to be spent. The the money that we received, well, the last federal money that we received was in the spring of 2018, and that's when the federal government allotted 380 million dollars to be divided among the states. Um, our share in that was 13.2 million dollars, and then our state government matched another five percent. So we ended up with just shy of $14 million mm. in 2018. We devoted all of that funding toward enhancing cybersecurity, both here at the State Board of Elections and mostly among our 108 local election authorities in Illinois, and that's 102 county clerk's offices and six uh, municipal boards of election. And the, the biggest uh, thing that we have done um, it got started ahead of the midterms last year, but it's really getting into full swing now to be fully active ahead of 2020 is the Illinois Cyber Navigator Program. And that's now, a program. You, uh, let, let me just interject mm -hmm. for a moment because we have people listening all over the country, basically in 50 sure. states. So uh, take what you're doing in Illinois and let me ask the question. Uh, is the federal government keeping tabs on which states are aggressively uh, using their money wisely and which ones may be lagging behind? Or uh, is there much cooperation between the states so that if Illinois finds uh, that they're doing something well, they can share it with Michigan and surrounding states or anywhere else? Well, there is a lot of information being shared among local election authorities all the time. Now, our contact our relationship with the federal government and specifically the Department of Homeland Security 
and the uh, U.S. Election Assistance Commission is really good. Um, and we've had a good relationship all along with all of the federal agencies. Now, you asked about, is the federal government um, aggressively looking at how states are using that money? I can tell you that we had to get approval for our plans before we could spend any of our money. Um, so I, I think that the federal government keeps an eye out making sure that states are using that money appropriately. Where is the where is the crack in the in the in the security right now as you see it? Because when you when you look at what happened in in 2020 and the investigations and the Mueller report, everyone now knows that the the Russians were involved in a disinformation campaign. We know that the disinformation campaign continues. That's not what you're focusing on. You're focusing on what happens when people go to the polls, pull out their voter card, and try to vote. So is it just a matter of voters' lists? Because in 2016, they did crack into the Illinois voter lists, and they cracked into the voter lists in Florida as well. Well, what happened in 2016 here started in June of 2016 and then was discovered a few weeks later in July and they broke into the statewide voter registration database that we maintain here. That is updated every day from, from all 108 of our local election authorities. Now, they weren't able to delete or change any information within that database. We notified 76,000 voters individually that their data may have been viewed in case there was any kind of identity theft problem with their personal information. We never had any problem uh, it, nothing has been reported ever since then. Now, when you mention that, so just going back to that, we've we've changed virtually everything about the way we handle data here. And the Cyber Navigator program that I mentioned a minute ago is our effort to make sure that all 108 local election authorities in Illinois have the same cybersecurity resources that we have here. Now, you mentioned disinformation. And as we head into 2020, we feel like we are as solid as we can possibly be on the cybersecurity front, which, which is to say that we think that we are effectively staying one step ahead of the hackers, because that's all you can really ever hope for mm -hmm. in any cybersecurity situation. But going into 2020, the, what, the warnings that we've gotten uh, from the Department of Homeland Security are that we need to be aware that Russia had a, a pretty massive social media misinformation campaign throughout the 2016 elections, and they very likely will explore that area again in 2020. So our biggest challenge now is we're mounting a public relations effort to make voters aware that when you're using social media, if you see anything on your social media feeds that pertains to the election, that pertains to when you vote or where you vote, anything like that, you need to check on our website, elections.il.gov. Don't take, it, unless, it, unless you know the source, be very skeptical of anything that you see on social media pertaining to the election. Yeah, because it would, it would seem to me that, that, as you say, if a goal has always been to get access uh, to, I'll use an old-fashioned term, to your mailing list, to your data list, 
uh, a simple uh, letter or, or even an email sent out to them telling them that the, uh, the polling place has been changed could screw up a lot of people's lives right. on Election Day. Right. That's what we saw in 2016. Um, a lot of different, through Twitter and Facebook, um, accounts that were then traced to Russia, they were Russian in origin, were really specifically targeted to certain groups to try to keep them away from the polls, to tell them, don't vote for either of these candidates, for example, in the presidential race. Don't bother voting for either of them. Just stay away. Or another another one was uh, uh, a tweet that was telling people to text a certain number to vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, you can't vote by text. Mm -hmm. You can't vote by email. And yet, those are the kinds of things that we have to be alert for coming into 2020. And St. Patrick's Day is our primary here in Illinois. Um, so it's coming up very quickly. Mm -hmm. We need to get the message out to people that, you know, be careful when you're watching social media. Um, watch out for this kind of disinformation. Be a smart social media consumer. And... Uh if obviously securing the, the voter lists are a top priority for you, the next question that people have is, okay, once they go into their polling place, and there's a variety of devices that are used to vote in Illinois, just as there is in, in the other 49 states, how do we know that when we click something on a computer or write something on a piece of paper, there's probably not too many of those, how do we know that when I, when I hit that computer, it's registering my vote correctly and that something well, has not happened to that machine. Well, Bruce, this is, this is one thing that voters across the country really need to understand, and especially here in Illinois, because here in Illinois, we've talked about cybersecurity incessantly since uh, our data breach happened in 2016. When we talk about cybersecurity in the election system, what we're talking about is protecting your voter registration information from remote hackers who might be able to hack into the system from outside. So we're talking about voter registration information. We do talk about election security when it comes to the equipment that is in your local polling place, the tabulators, uh, if, you're, if you're using a touchscreen system. Those are part of the election infrastructure and here in Illinois, there is a very strict protocol for how those machines are handled. They are never connected to the Internet. They are never vulnerable to the kind of remote hacking that we saw here in 2016. Now, do they have a this paper gets trail? confusing. Do they have a paper in Illinois, trail? In Illinois, uh, you have a paper trail for every vote that is cast, whether it is on a paper ballot that is then fed into a tabulator or on a touchscreen which then generates a paper ballot that, does, that does the voter that happen, can verify. Does that happen in many other states? The vast majority. There are a handful of states that do not have that. And that's where you've seen a lot of the controversy that happened around the midterms. Um, that's a lot of the debate that you hear in Washington right now um, is to get those states to all go to a system where you have a paper backup for every vote that's cast. You know, in Illinois, if worse came to worse, we could rerun the election the day after Election Day, if worse came to worse. One of the things we do in answer to your earlier question, you know, how do you know that your vote is counted accurately? One thing that we do in Illinois is after each election, 
we run a 5% random retabulation statewide. And we are the administrators here at the State Board of Elections of that process. Matthew, we've got a pause. We've got people here in the studio that want to ask you some questions as well. I want to stress the people that are listening around the country. We're talking about what one state is doing to protect the ballot uh, in November uh, of next year. But again, it's happening in your state as well. So stay tuned. Find out some of the basic things that you can quiz your local authorities. Make sure they're doing it because we want as fair a vote as possible in 2020. Back shortly uh, with more conversation. Experience the pure holiday magic of Goodman Theater's A Christmas Carol. For over four decades, the heartwarming story of Scrooge's discovery of kindness and empathy has enchanted more than a million theatergoers of all ages. The Chicago Tribune calls it a beloved holiday tradition that tugs at all the right heartstrings. Performances run November 16th through December 29th only. Get tickets for A Christmas Carol today at goodmantheater.org. When someone hears the words, you have cancer, it's one of the darkest moments in their life. Light the Night brings light to the darkness of cancer by uniting survivors, patients, and supporters in the cause to end cancer. We form a community of hope, raising funds in support of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. The discoveries made by LLS-supported research have led to breakthrough treatments for many cancers and other serious diseases. When we walk, cancer runs. Join the movement to end cancer today. Visit us at lightthenight.org. Chicago, and uh, we're talking to Matt Diedrich. He is uh, with the Illinois uh, uh, Bureau of uh, Department of Ed- Elections. Forgive me, I'm screwing up your title tonight. But uh, Mark State Wojcik, Board of Elections, very State close. Board of Elections. Uh, Mark <laughs> Wojcik is here. He is with the University of Illinois. He has a question for you. Hi, Matt. Uh, thank you for Hello. what you're doing and to protect elections and the confidence that people have in elections. Um, where's the threat to the United States coming from? Is it Russia or China, uh, North Korea, uh, Iran? Uh, do we know where the threats are coming or, or is it a mixture of all of them? And is this a problem that's unique to the United States or are these countries that are targeting the, the United States also targeting elections in other countries? Well, they are targeting elections in other countries. Um, the, the main target that we heard about and that you continue to hear about from 2016 and now is Russia. Uh, They were the most active, but we've also, you know, the Department of Homeland Security keeps us abreast of of where the threats might be coming from. Could be Russia, China, uh, North Korea, Iran, um, any any country who has, that has an interest in destabilizing our government, and more importantly, if you read the, the, the Mueller report and the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee reports that have come out, um, the goal of Russia in 2016 conti- was then and continues to be to erode American confidence in democratic institutions and processes. And the foundational democratic process in the United States, of course, is our elections. And when you, for example, the hack that happened here in Illinois in 2016 didn't have any impact whatsoever on the election in November of 2016. Um, it didn't, you know, no voter registration information was changed. Um, but what it does is it can make voters wonder how secure is our election system? 
And if they can get in there, could they get in elsewhere? Um, so when we talk about things like wanting to replace voting machines, for example, you know, I just explained a minute ago that the voting machines really are not, we don't talk about them in terms of cybersecurity, uh, meaning uh, remote break hacking in because they're not connected to the internet. Um, but they are, they're old. In Illinois, a lot of them were purchased in 2004. They break. When a tabulator breaks in a precinct polling place, lines begin to form. If the election authority can't get a replacement down to it, um, people get upset. It doesn't look like the election is being run competently. It erodes confidence. So that factors into all of this. Now, we also know that although we have foreign uh, players that are trying to disrupt our election, um, around the country, Illinois, historically, going back several years, actually a number of years ago, Illinois did not have a great reputation nationally when it came to the integrity of our voting here. Uh, you may not want to acknowledge that, but I think a lot of people around the country talk about Illinois in a derogatory way, at least those that maybe you're talking 30 or 40 years ago. It's not something that's been in the last several decades. Is there any indication that the political parties that we each know and love now, that they may try to take advantage of this diversions that exist because of foreign players and may want to co-opt the election in some other way? Well, I think when you talk about that, you really get to the, the essence of the Illinois State Board of Elections. This agency was created in the 1970 Illinois Constitution. We are not governed by any elected official. We're governed by a board of four appointed Democrats and four appointed Republicans. The reason that this was created was largely because of that reputation. And I think the, I think the biggest example of that historically is you go back to the 1960 presidential election, right? right. When there's always been discussion about uh, Mayor Daley and uh, the Kennedy's share of the vote and, right. and whatnot. That goes back to 1960. And I think if you go back in history to when the 1970 Illinois Constitution was ratified, the creation of the State Board of Elections was an effort to take the overall administration of the elections out of, from under the purview of any elected official. And look, you know, look what happened in Georgia in the midterms, where you had a Secretary of State, and, and in Georgia, the Secretary of State runs the elections, running for governor. You had his, uh, his opponent claiming that the, that the Secretary of State's office was involved in trying to make the voter registration process more difficult, allegations of voter suppression happening between two candidates in an election, one of whom is in charge of running the elections. That'll never happen in Illinois because we don't have the Secretary of State or any other elected official on top of, of our election. And in fact, really, the, it's the local authorities that run those, that conduct the elections. We do all the testing of equipment. Um, we make sure we assist them on the official canvas of, of the results. But, you know, Bruce, you're right that there, for a long time, Illinois did have that reputation. And 
just like Al Capone, those reputations die hard. Yeah. Quick question. I've got 30 seconds left. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast you had $13 million, I think, is what your share of the federal funds. That seems like a drop in the bucket. Uh, is there any more likelihood that the federal government's going to provide more uh, dollars to uh, ensure security? It's looking like uh, there was a debate back in er uh, late summer where um, the Senate, Mitch McConnell, had agreed to $250 million. The House wants a much bigger figure. States will get something. We'll get something in 2020. Um, how much? We still don't know. Okay. Stay in touch with us uh, because we want to know what's happening in Illinois and also uh, advice to those listening around the country because we do want to secure the one thing that the average person can still do is is uh, uh, scream like hell if you see something that's going wrong on Election Day or any tampering, any perceived tampering uh, with your, your voter registration. And again, be very alert on social media, as, as Matthew has said. Uh, keep your eyes and ears open as to what's coming through the social media for you. We thank our guests in the studio. Matthew Diedrich, we thank you very much for the Illinois uh, State Board of Elections. I'm Bruce Dumont. See you next week. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. We all want more time with our dads, brothers, partners, friends, and our sons. Time for more conversations, more catch-ups, more of what life's all about. Now is our time to make it happen. Together, we can stop men dying too young by tackling the big issues. Prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health, suicide. It's time to act. Sign up at Movember.com and raise funds to help change the face of men's health. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to 
better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.